Life is full of personal wins. Whether it's cleaning your house, getting that dream car, or checking off your to-do list, winning at life is a great feeling. And with the State Farm Personal Price Plan, you can keep winning when you create an affordable price just for you by bundling home and auto. So give yourself a round of applause. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery, code Wondery. Welcome to the ID10T podcast number 1091. Head on over to ID10T.com slash Vintage. Um, We have started putting some uh, vintage iron-on transfers onto vintage members-only jackets to create a super vintage item. Uh, so we've put some uh, some ET, uh, old ET iron-ons on some members-only jackets, and I think there's a Kenny Rogers one on there. It's been so much fun. So uh, go over to ID10T.com slash vintage. And if you want, um, sign up for the email list to be notified of such things. So there you go. Um, let's talk about you, the ID10T community. Um, this one is for uh, a pal of mine, Leanna Vamp, who is an actor and a cosplayer and just a f- amazing curator of all things um, Halloween and goth and vampiric. And, uh, you know, listen, it's going to be a very uh, surreal Halloween this year, certainly in Los Angeles County. Uh, initially they had said, you know, no trick or treating. And then they walked it back a little bit. If I'm reading the news correctly, obviously you should verify this for yourself, but, um, that, uh, now they, they've walked it back and said, okay, we're just not recommending that you do trick or treating this year. Either way, uh, it's going to be weird. And so I don't, I don't know what it's like in your town, but you know, listen, it's our favorite holiday. It's Lydia and my favorite holiday and Leanna's favorite holiday and a lot of your favorite holidays. And so, um, Leanna has a podcast called let's get spooky. And she said, listen, I want to make it my mission to just sort of, you know, talk about Halloween and provide the Halloween spirit as much as possible for people who want to be immersed in it, who would otherwise maybe not necessarily be able to, um, just because, uh, you know, because of everything that's going on and the, and the lack of Halloween spirit, uh, in the air. So, um, it's letsgetspooky.com. If you go there, you can, um, you can, uh, get the podcast is available on all the, all the platforms where you get podcasts and, uh, and there you go. So, you know, uh, we're going to get through this year. We're going to get through this, through it. So, uh, and think about how amazing Halloween will be next year. Oh my gosh. The trick-or-treating that will be had. The theme parks that will be attended. The Halloween parties we will get to to share and really appreciate. So there you go. Thank you to Leanna for doing that. Also, just as a side note, um, Leanna is a beekeeper. Uh, and Lydia really wants to get into beekeeping because uh, uh, we love honey and, and we love bees. And so uh, that's just a little side note. I don't know if Leanna talked. Uh, she does post some beekeeping stuff from time to time on her Instagram feed, which is just uh, vamp. 
uh, V-A-M-P. So uh, there you go. Halloween and bees. Thank you, Leanna. Uh, and now let's talk about this episode. This episode is John Leguizamo, and it was a tremendous honor to have him on the podcast. I'm, I mean, John is an inspirational performer and content creator and has forged such an amazing path in the entertainment business um, going back to the 80s and early 90s and and still does. I mean, I'm just such a fan of his work. He's a great stand-up and a sketch performer and a writer and, and as an actor has been in some of the greatest movies in the history of film. <laughs> and uh, again, just a really inspirational guy. You know, he saw the stark underrepresentation of Latinx performers in the entertainment business and, and really sought to change that and continues to. He has it's directed a, a movie called Critical Thinking, which uh, Lydia and I watched and loved. Um, it's uh, basically about uh, a chess club at a, at a high school in Miami with the group of uh, underprivileged and marginalized teenagers who uh, take the chess world by storm and, and, and enter this national chess competition. It is a true story. It's a beautiful story, and John is in it, and he directed it, and the performances in this film are phenomenal. These young actors are fantastic, and listen, even if you're not a chess fan, which I am, I, I played chess in you know most of the way through school, even if you're not a chess player, it's a moving and inspirational story. Critical Thinking is available now on VOD, so definitely watch that. Also, um, John's last one-man show, which he did here in Los Angeles live at the Amundsen, I believe, uh, late last year, is on Netflix now, Latin History for Morons. So uh, you can watch that as well. And this conversation with John is just such a – it was so wonderful, and I so enjoyed it. And I really hope he comes back on again on the podcast at some point. Um, you know, whether you're just a fan of his or whether you are also a content creator, John's story will inspire you to just embrace be who you are. Uh, and start from there and create your work and art from there. Thanks again to John. Uh, if you are listening to this, John, this was an absolute pleasure and certainly a, a podcast highlight for me. So uh, please come on again sometime. All right, here you go. The ID10T podcast number 1091 with John Leguizamo. Initiating ID10T protocol. Good to see you, man. I, I, I'm, I was actually a, a, like weirdly a little nervous because, uh, and I don't really get nervous about these much anymore because I've been doing them for so long. But you're, <laughs> you've been in so like you do so many things that it's almost intimidating and inspiring at the same time because in the way now that I think performers have realized like, well, you kind of have to be the generator of your own content. You're not. It's it's not maybe not enough to just be an actor or just be this right. Or just be that you've always been that it seems like since like you you kind of you you were sort of the prototype for sort of what I, the, I had no choice I was a Latin man in Hollywood yeah and you know they didn't want me and and I and so their rejection of me helped me reject them and so I I created my own 
opportunities, you know, and, and I wasn't going to be forged by what they wanted. I wanted to forge myself as to what I wanted, what right. challenged me because they were just not seeing, they don't see you. They, uh, they still don't see me. They still don't know that I'm here. They still don't know my culture. I mean, it's crazy. We Latin people are living in a psychosocial erasure. Mm -hmm. We're the largest ethnic group in America. We contribute $1.3 trillion to the U.S. economy every year. If we were our own country, we'd be the 10th largest country in the world. We're bigger than England. Our women are number one in, in small business creations at 87%. We saved the housing market last year at 68%. We're the largest voting bloc in America at 32 million registered voters. But less than 3% of the faces in front of the camera? Jeez. Less than 2% of the, of the crew behind the camera, less than 1% of the stories, less than 0% of the executives. That, I'm living in a cultural apartheid. In New York City, my city, Latin people, Latinx are equal to whites at 35% and 35%. How come, where are, are the stories on Latin people in the New York Times, Daily News, New York Magazine? Where, the, where are the editors? Where are the writers on staff? I'm living in a cultural apartheid. It's, it's insane, but that, that's what it's like being Latinx in America. And also one of the themes of the movie, which, by the way, is amazing. Um, I watched the movie last night, um, Critical Thinking, and it's a, it's a gorgeous story. It's stunning. Um, and as someone who was in chess club for many years... Uh, Are you a just, chess club guy? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like all of those, like... And, and I have to say, this what's is... Your, what's your rank? What's your ranking? Do you ever, did you get... Did you, were you ranked? Um, I think when I, by the time that I stopped, which was around high school, um, I don't know, I was probably 17, 1800, like in the 1700s. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. That, that, that's formidable. It, it, but, you know, like, good, not great. Um, you know, like, I, I won some local junior high chess championships. But I, but I do have to say, and this is such a picky thing to say, but the uh the authenticity of the way that they were hitting the clocks and the way that they were taking like it, it looked like oh yeah these these guys play chess this is this yeah, is, yeah, yeah. like all of the mechanics of that are how you you know like the stomping of the pieces in in the in the otherwise quiet room <laughs> yeah. you know those <laughs> such a that's, mind that's, fuck. i mean it's so great you're saying that because i took great pains to be as precise as i could be you know uh, it's a, it's a three million dollar movie that normally in Hollywood costs twenty million. I had twenty days where you need you know sixty days, so I, I you know I was I was I was working against the elements in a, in a way, and so I told my actors I said I need a week of 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 your time before you shoot, which is unheard of in independent films, mm -hmm. and I'm and I'm and I'm going to require twelve hours a day rehearsal, and I'm going to need you to rehearse on the shooting days after you're exhausted. You're going to hate me. But you're going to be proud of the movie. You're going to be proud of your work. So I got the consultants, the real guys that play, who are now in their 40s, yeah. to be at every rehearsal, to call us when we looked fake, to make us look authentic. And I wanted the exact moves. Like, you know, that last championship in the movie, yeah, 60 yeah. moves? Those are the exact moves that Marcel Martinez and Akopian played. And I had the guys memorize that. That is fantastic. I mean, it brought back, you know, Chess Club was... Uh, and 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 Martinez is kind of explaining it with isn't giving too much away, but but people should stick around for the end credits because you see the you see the actual 
Right, the real the bad yeah, team yeah. Yeah. today. And, you know, he's just talking about, you know, how great it is uh, for critical thinking and what chess. And when I look back at my time at chess, I, it's hard for me to play anymore because it was so intense. Those chess tournaments wow. were so intense that I almost feel like, did it condition me to, am I an overthinker now because of fucking chess? Because I was conditioned to look, you know, 20 moves <laughs> ahead and think of every possibility. Like, did that kind of fuck me up in a weird way? That's interesting. That's interesting to to then be an overthinker, to overthink things. Yeah. I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know. I th- I think always hedging your bets is the smarter way to go in no, life. Impulsivity is great. Like maybe in, in tennis, maybe maybe in acting in front of the camera, but not not when you're behind the camera. You want to you want to be yeah, but ten moves ahead of everything. But you also don't want to become paralyzed with the anxiety of yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Um, and, you know, because your background is in comedy and stand-up and sketch and improvisational comedy, I mean, you probably, I, I, did, did, you, did you find that those skill sets transferred over as a director? Like, what, what did you, what type of director did you think you would be? And then what did you think you learned about yourself while you were going through this process? You know, it's interesting. I, I, I directed an HBO movie and I'd done a lot of commercials because I wanted to be oh, someday okay. prepared for this moment. Yeah. This is my independent film debut. Yeah. Uh, but I wasn't really sure. I mean, I know obviously acting is my thing. You know, I've studied with the greats, Herbert Berghoff, Lee Strasberg, Wynn Hanman, David Neuer. So I know acting. I know yeah. how to break down a scene. I've been writing my whole life. Uh, but directing, being behind the camera, am I visual enough? Do, do, I, ha- do I have enough uh, uh, of an eye? You know, um, that's what I was questioning myself. And I wasn't sure about that part. And then when I got to the set, I, I started to realize, oh, wow, man. My being in 100 movies with the best directors, Baz Luhrmann, uh, uh, Ava DuVernay, Spike Lee, De Palma, uh, Tony Scott, really Scott, all of them. Really, I, I learned so. I didn't realize I had this catalog of information. So I knew a lot of techniques to solve a lot of issues. And I also knew the, the effects of certain... Uh, you know, having more than one camera on the set. I knew if I had three cameras, sometimes I could capture crazy improv and I can push the guys to extra improv because I'm going to get fresh uh, performances that cut well together. Yeah. You know, uh, I learned from Baz and, and, and to, to rehearse because it, it, creates, it creates a better performance. I learned from De Palma to storyboard your ass off because then shit looks hot and it looks <laughs> sexy, you know? <laughs> Yeah, and, and and I realized I had all this info. Plus, I really did. Eventually, eventually, I guess after all these years, I do have an eye for camera move for camera movement. Yeah, I mean, it's it 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 seems like it would be impossible, especially with the way that I imagine that your brain works, that you would not have absorbed all of that stuff over the years because you you know, as someone who's created so many one man shows, you you understand storytelling. It's like at the, at the very basic molecular level, you know. As I'm, I'm a storytelling who, animal. Oh, yes. yeah. That, that's, and those are the people that I gravitate to in life as well. My, all my best friends are all great storytellers. All my heroes are great storytellers, whether it, whether it be in books, novels, screenwriting, movie making. That's, that's the people that I want to be surrounded by. Yeah. And so your job as a, as a, as a director storyteller 
it, you, b- besides being the fact that it's not just you directing yourself where you kind of have control over how all the story plays out, like how do you sort of, how do you, how do you see those muscles working to keep the, to, to keep the story coherent, to keep everyone on the same page? Like what parts about that where you're sort of, you know, the, the, the story master, like uh, how was that for you? Yeah, no, it's interesting because yeah, yeah, as, as the director of the film, I'm in charge of everything, everything, right. you know what I mean? Uh, whether I, I run out of days or run out of daylight or run out of extras, it's, it's, uh, you, you got to take it as your fault, as, as your, as your problem. Right. And I did, I, I didn't, I didn't pass any culpability to anybody because at the end of the day, if I didn't get that shot the way I wanted it, I was, it was going to hurt me in the editing room. And, and I didn't want to have to, you know, I wanted to make sure. So, so yeah, you know, I, I'm in charge of the story and I want to make sure Martinez was as realistic as he as it was and and and, and I wanted to to show how he imparted that wisdom to the kids because I didn't understand how that happened I wanted to see that and and I said kept asking what did you do well I had all these you know little flyers and they would do all these (laughs) mimeographs and they I go what 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 else did you do well we would go over this and then I finally you know hours and weeks I found out it was this magnetic board thing that he would go over all the moves and have them participate so that they had to break it down and memorize it and test it and quiz it. And and that's what I think really helped me show his love of the kids. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause that's really love his, his, his sort of like passion and patience to let them learn and to impart that wisdom that, 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 that was the beauty of that, of this man, Mary Martinez and why I fell in love with him when I met him in Florida. Yeah. I mean, he's that teacher that you want all teachers to be. He's the guy, oh, yeah. he's the guy that can, that it doesn't like, it doesn't end for him when the bell rings, you know, he hangs out with these kids He's straight with them. You know, he holds up a history book and says, if you don't see yourself in this book, that's the problem. And you need to know that, that your history is valid and you need to seek it out. You know, I mean, he, he, he knows how to, um, I don't know, he knows how to communicate on a level that shows that he cares. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, you know? And he doesn't take himself seriously either. No. That's, a, that's the beautiful thing about Mario and the guys. They're always ribbing each other, man. And, and Mario takes it. You know, they're always making fun of the guy and putting him down <laughs> but they love him they love him and they know they they got to where they were because of him i mean they they all had exceptional talents i mean you can't teach that you know what i mean these guys were all really gifted he gave them the book knowledge and the strategies from books that's what he was able to impart yeah but also it's figuring out and and that's why chess is so interesting because it well, there are a lot of reasons why it's interesting, but mainly you can do all the study. You can do, you can learn it as academically as possible. You can learn the craft of it, the craft, but it's the art. The art of chess is really tough. It's the, it's the being able to take that and improvise. And uh, because it, you know, every match is different and right. Right. And it, there is, it's a lot of pressure. Like when you're sitting across the board from some other kid and you know, there's a story. There, there is a there's a storyline about taking draws in, which I think is really interesting because right. a chess player that is sort of a like. Well, it's not a win, but it's not a loss. And I took a I offered a draw to win a tournament once. Like I sat down at the board and I saw that I had enough points and all I needed was a draw. Right. And I just before it started, I said, "Do you want a draw?" 
and the other kid had a lower rating than I did. So he said, sure. And I won the tournament and, and I felt fine with that, you know, but other people, <laughs> it's like, no, draw is a, a win is no, a win. No, it's a loss, a loss because I didn't crush you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It depends on the type of guy you are. Somebody who likes to crush people or somebody who, <laughs> who who's okay, just w- winning is, is enough. <laughs> just, you know. And then we, and one of the guys did have that that issue in, in his his real life issue. He does not like to draw. He likes to crush people. You know. <laughs> Do you play? Uh, you know, I'm an amateur dilettante. I've always played. I used to go to Washington Square Park. You know, where all the oh, yeah. best players would be. And you have to throw in some cash. They don't let you play unless you throw in some cash. And they'd always take my money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I yeah, always yeah. make more and come back. You know, but they'd always take it again. <laughs> I mean, that's a that's a master class and just amazing chess to just sit down and play to play like that. You know, like it's oh, because it's it's oh, it's they're so quick. I mean, also there's no time. I mean, their their moves are so they've been doing it for so many years and so quickly. It's like pap pap pap. Yeah. All day long. Yeah. They crush you like so quickly. It's like you, you just sat down and you got to get up and leave. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're taunting you. And then in less than <laughs> a minute, it's over. And you're like, well, yeah. All right, then. <laughs> it's it's you like losing right. your virginity. <laughs> it's over before you even started. Before you even started. What happened? <laughs> oh, yeah. You just you lost. Oh, yeah. yeah. I hope it gets um, better from here on. I have to say, the performances are spectacular i mean like this collection of young performers to me feels like oh in 20 years you're gonna see all these guys are gonna have like numerous nominations for shit in their careers oh they're Uh, amazing man i i i I, I agree they're just so their work is so beautiful man and each one brought such a different element and i i i just felt so lucky to be around them and, and, and enjoyed every minute of it you know watching what they did and and, you know, I, I, I came in there, you know, because, you know, I've been studying acting my whole life. I still do. And I come in there and shape things, you know, or 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 tweak it or try to, you know, you know, because it's a big acting exercise that I always love, which is like do the opposite of what's written. Just just for fuck's sake. Yeah. And, you know, we would do that sometimes. And all of a sudden, you know, you see a whole other more exciting choice than the obvious choice. And that's just to get you thinking outside the. Yep, yep. Yeah. To get to, to because we don't really we don't really know what the magic is, you right. know. So it's always better to to give me a give me a lot of choices in the editing room instead of giving me the same take over and over. I'm getting obviously very technical about acting. No, no, no. But, it's great, but, but I can't. I love it because it um, to uh, a, a person who's an actor and then a director, especially who has as much experience as you have, like you you have the best of both worlds because. You've worked in a million different things. You've written your own stuff. You've worked with all these great directors. And it, and this just feels like the culmination of everything that you have absorbed, <laughs> you know, in the yeah. past 35 years. Uh, yeah, it comes to fruition right there on Critical Thinking. Exactly. All the acting, studying, all my criterion uh, movies that, that, you know, the, the B-side, <laughs> the, you know, listening to the stories uh, of all the great directors, you know, uh, sitting with Barry Levinson, sitting with De Palma, you know, just just watching these masters at work is was always my favorite place was to sit right near them, you know, and just watch them do their thing. I, I was always just mesmerized by them. I never thought I would be a director, but I was just mesmerized by by how they they ran things and having to deal with story, having to deal with production issues, you know, because there's so much stuff that's just technical problems, logistics problems, like you know. Uh, having that last scene where I have 200 extras, 
mm-hmm. you know, and I have a low budget. I, I have to be done in a couple of hours because they all are cashed out and they got to leave. That just stresses so me out just hearing out, about it. <laughs> right, so I got to figure out how to shoot the extras first so it looks like the room is crowded <laughs> and then and then let them go and then I can't shoot there again even if I want to. And there were many times I'm like, yeah. oh man, I can't shoot towards the doors because all my extras are gone. gone. I just have to make it up some other way. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. I really hope that, I really hope that you continue directing more because the performances, and it's clear that all these guys are fucking phenomenal actors, but I think it's also their relationship to you where you were able to draw that out at the same time and because to me you know there's the craft and the craft is putting in the hours and 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 doing all the work and all the technical yeah. stuff but the art is making the craft disappear and these, <laughs> these guys it's so well said man it's so oh, well said it's thank exactly you. it but these guys and i mean this is the highest compliment they don't seem like they're acting like they oh, just no, yeah. seem like yeah. These people that have come together and the performance. You know, and, and, and also the, the magic is, you know, they made me better too because the kids, these kids were so brilliant, man. And, and, and whenever I raised the bar, they raised it and I had to meet it. And it was beautiful, man. It was like, oh man. It's like, it's like working with like, like, like uh, with a Michael Jordan, you know, I mean, you, you can, you know, uh, Jackson, Phil Jackson can coach him, but yo, I mean, that talent is a gift to have as, as one of your players, you know, and that's, that's, I felt like a Phil Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. how I felt. And then I had Zach Zamboni, my d- director of photography who worked with Anthony Bourdain th- through his whole Anthony's career. And I picked him because I knew he could do documentary style stuff at right. the same time he'd give you those beauty shots when they travel across the world so i knew he could give it all to me and he did man and and you know he and i had sat down for many hours trying to break it down how, how, how do we let them be but still get me all my meticulous shots that i need to to teach about chess to, to, to show chess as a sport because chess is a mental game and can yeah. be incredibly boring to see two guys like <laughs> and you can put as much sweat or go like this but you know 10 times of that we're done so i had to make it feel like you know get down to the pieces 
So we feel like it was a football game or a boxing match. You know what I mean? So that pieces had to become players as well to make it visual, to bring right. out the internal externally. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you got to show just enough chess to let people know it's chess. But if you show too much chess, it's like, no, I'm watching chess. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, I said, but you know, the funny thing is I, I, I knew intuitively this, I didn't know till after the fact, but I kind of knew it subconsciously was if I was bold enough to show Martinez teaching them chess, like go through long moves mm-hmm. and long, you know, like maybe 10, 15, 20 moves or so, maybe more than that. Uh, I, one of them was 30, but I think I had to cut it back because it was too much for the audience. But I think at the end of the game, at the end of the movie, people actually thought when they were watching the 60 moves of the championship that they knew what was going on. And, and, I, and, and I ask everybody, and they swear they know what's going on. But I know they don't because if you, if you don't play that kind of chess, you can never you don't know, you don't know what's going on. Well, yeah, but, but, you think you do. but I think you set that up really well because when he's explaining that one game where the guy does all the unpredictable moves and then and, and Philidor, the Philidor, the, the yes. great Philidor, yeah. It's a, it's he's he he's explaining the game through story. He's not just saying and then you know E2 E4 E75. Right, 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 he's right. He's explaining it through a story and rooting it in a way that makes it very compelling because it's like, oh, you know, if you were a chess player, you know, what is going on in this game is fucking crazy, you know? And so he's explaining it that way. And so it's, as he's explaining it to the kids and making it engaging to high school kids, the audience is engaged in it because yeah, yeah, yeah. they're engaged yeah, yeah. in it. Yeah. And, and, the, and the actors were, and we as the actors were engaged in it as well. Like we were, we were getting off on each other trying to figure out what was next, even though they were written already, you still, it's bizarre, but sometimes you fool yourself into it's feeling it for like for the first time. Yeah. And that's what was happening. Um, I would love to find out it, it, because, you know, you said, look, I made my own stuff because I was rejected by Hollywood uh, because of this horrible disparity. And so it, I was reading about you and I saw you were in Tish in like 1984, you dropped out to pursue stand up. Is that true? Yeah, yeah, I, I dropped out. I was I couldn't afford it. I mean, I had transferred from CW Post, and they wanted me to go, and my, they, they disqualified a lot of my credits, and they wanted me to go an extra year, and I like there was no way. I mean, I was already. I had loans up the kazoo. I couldn't take another year. I mean, I would have never came out of out of debt. So I just left. I got. I did a student film. I won a Spielberg Award, which is like an Oscar to me, and uh, I got an agent. I got a Miami Vice. I played a villain because I'm Latin right. and uh, and that, that was being in my career. So can you talk a little bit about what the stand-up scene is like in New York in 1984? Because to me, you're in the middle of the eighties, which is the smack dab sweet spot of the comedy boom that lasted from like 76 to 92. And New York is a fucking hotbed of comedy yeah. activity at that point. Everywhere. All, everybody was a stand-up comedian, but the thing was, I didn't want to be a stand-up comedian. I that's that was not my thing, but I was going to all the open mic nights and the and the lotteries. Every Monday I'd be there with a hundred comedians at the comic strip, catch a rising star, uh Rodney Dangerfield's club, every club. I I'd be I was there, you know, and I'd see Chris Rock and I'd see Adam Sandler and I'd see all those cats. And, you know, I just didn't like I don't like the setup joke, setup joke routine. It just wasn't for me. And then for luckily for me the performance art um, uh, uh, milieu was booming. 
as well. Downtown and LES, all the kitchen, um, home, uh, 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 Gusto House, uh, Knitting Factory, La Cucaracha. Oh, yeah. But you, there, I could be a storyteller. And there I would tell my long-winded stories, like the Bible as told by Latin people, the West if it was one by Latin people. And it'd be like half-hour things with, you know, like 20 or 30 characters. And, and, and that's where I found myself and found my love of storytelling and, and found who I was. Sorry about that. Oh, that's okay. You know, I often t- I love to talk on the podcast about like finding who you are, like discovering who you are. And you, and you seem to block into that at a pretty young age. Um, and so what was it that made you go, look, you know, uh, there, there, there are just not opportunities available for people like me. There are not opportunities available for Latin actors. So what made you go, I'm going to create these things. I'm going to, I'm going to express these and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to forge this the way that I think it should. Because right. especially as young as you were, you, you could, you know, like a lot, maybe other people would have gone, ah, I don't know. It just feels like a lot of work. There's just, it's never gonna, but mm. you didn't accept that. You, you created, you created an industry around yourself. So what was that about you? And how did you kind of find who you were? Well, you know, it, 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 it if I look back, I mean, it's interesting because uh, you, being a Latin person, you live in a, in a, in a, in a, in a dual world, right? So we're absent, you know, in school textbooks, we're absent in superhero comic books, movies, television, networks, newspapers. But in the real world where I live, we're abundant. We're Mm -hmm. everywhere and we're running things and we're heroes and and we're intellects and we're solving problems and they're my family and they're my friends and it's everybody in New York City. We're, we're the largest ethnic group in New York City. So I was seeing that and then I was seeing this other reality where we didn't exist, which was, what is that? So that gave me the courage. I knew where I came from. I knew what my people could, could contribute. I, I then was going to college NYU and I'm going, wait a minute. All, the, all my white actor friends from college, we're in the same college, studying with the same acting teachers. They're going to five auditions a day. I'm going to one every five months. And yeah. I go, oh, wow, wait a minute. I, I'm educated as they are. I've studied acting as much as they are. Why are my opportunities so much less? What is going on here? And then I start to realize, oh, my God, it's just, that's, that's going to be my life. <laughs> in, 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 uh, in Hollywood, it's just not going to be the same. And so I started gravitating towards writing and creating my own stuff because I knew my people are out here and they're funny and we're cracking each other up and all my friends are Latin and, and, and we're having a great time. I just have to put that somewhere where they can see it. <laughs> and so it wasn't in movies because I've been pitching for 30 years and they never get my stories, never get the dramas, the histories, the historical figures. I'm, they just don't see me. They don't care. But like, like let's say, let's take Hamilton. If the biggest hit in hit Broadway history, if Lynn would have pitched that to a, a Hollywood or to a streamer or to a network, it would have never got done. Because they would have said to him, excuse me, wait a minute. Uh, Hamilton is going to be played by a Puerto Rican and Burr is going to be black. Well, let me tell you something, son. They didn't speak and rap in the 1700s. It would have never got done. Never. And, and when I found theater, I found that there were no gatekeepers. 
You know, there was, I just had to write a great script, raise the money and rent the barn. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's how Lynn and I made it to Broadway. That's where I found my freedom was in theater because that's the place that allowed me to be. And then Latin people found me. And then all of a sudden, oh, wow. Now we got this, this marriage of an audience and somebody who looks like them. And, and they're not going to let go. And I'm not going to let go. I mean, you can tell it's one of the beautiful things about theater. And, you know, I, I think the Tony Awards are generally the best award show. And the reason that I love the Tony Awards so much is because you watch the other awards, like the Oscars, everyone's really tense. <laughs> everybody's yeah, so would, tight. Yeah, everyone's up tight. So it's super serious. You know, and you watch the Tony Awards and you feel like this is a community. Like this is a yeah, yeah. community who is happy to be there, happy for each other. Um, you know, it's they got, they got real gifts. They got real talents that they can show that they can give. And in Hollywood, everybody's more like, uh, feels like, feels like they're, they're imposters a little bit. You know I mean? They feel like maybe they were created by the editing, maybe by the store. You know what I mean? There's a lot, there's a little bit of that going on in Hollywood where some people legitimately are there only because of their appearance. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And, not, and, and, not because of their ability. And theater feels like an area. It feels like an area where they say, "Whoever you are, you're welcome here. You're welcome." Oh yeah, no, you, you gotta have ta- no, you gotta have talent. It's not well, you have to have talent. <laughs> you better bring something because nobody's bringing you to the party. If you this ain't this, this ain't potluck. <laughs> well, this, so was the first was was Mambo Mouth the first show that you put up on Broadway? Like, wh- how did you get from 1984? I think your first special was around 1991. 1990, yeah, yeah, Mambo Mouth on HBO, yeah. So, so for that six years. You know, when you discovered the theatrical community, how did you come across that? And then what 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 are the connective pieces behind, you know, I'm going to rent a theater space, you know, I'll be off Broadway or whatever. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll show up, I'll put it up. You know, like, did you go to Edinburgh? Like, what 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 were the steps that kind of got oh, you? Oh, a lot of steps. Right. I mean, a, a million steps. So, you know, I'm, I'm writing my own little 20 minute, 30 minute pieces in the performance art spaces. I'm doing the comedy clubs. I'm doing the improv clubs. You know, I, I had a sketch comedy team with a girlfriend of mine at the, to- at the time and we performed everywhere, you know? So I, I was doing a lot of that and, and continue to do more student films. And uh, eventually, you know, uh, I got to win Handman's and, and I had seen, luckily I was in New York and I got to see, Eric Bogosian. Mm-hmm. I got to see Spalding Gray. I got to see Whoopi Goldberg. I got to see Lily Tomlin. And I said, that's what I want to do, man. That's what I want to do. And so I created my own hybrid of it. You know, I created my own hybrid of, of everything they was doing. I added costumes to it. I added my autobiographical story to a play format where I acted all the characters out, which nobody was doing. So I added my own spin to, to their, to their gifts. And, and, and I started doing it at Wynn Hammond's Theater. He just passed of COVID. Uh, uh, he was a national treasure, a great acting teacher. And, and he loved what I was doing in his class. And I would do my characters in his class and I'd do them downtown in the performance art spaces and people were flipping out. And um, eventually I had enough characters and he put me up, but he didn't put me up in the theater. He put me in the hallway of the theater because, you know, <laughs> because I'm Latin. So... It, you know, so I had to be done before the main stage show I, at eight. I went on at six thirty, and they, they get a platform, 
and 70 fold-up seats. And then the, 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 the Frank Rich Review came out and boom, all of a sudden Sam Shepard's in the house. Arthur Miller, Holy Al Pacino, shit. JFK Jr., uh, you know, Raul Julia. And, 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 it, and it was like, you know, it blew my mind. It was like, oh my God, I, I've, so I've found something. I've, I've, I've hit the main line on something. Yeah, but it, it's, it's, I always find it interesting because I think part of the artist's journey is you're always looking outward, 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 you know, like what types of things should I be commenting on or responding to or this or, you know, like who am I in this other kind of box, these available boxes that are out there. And then I feel like the part of the journey is the more that you go inward and be the truest version of yourself, like that's when the magic happens. And a yeah. lot of people, it takes them a long time because they think, ah, you know, it's just me. That's not interesting. Other things. Right, right. It's like, no, no, no. You're the fucking thing. You're the thing. And it just, it blows my mind that you figured that out at such a young age. Because I feel like that's something that takes people a really long time to figure out. But, but I didn't totally figure it out, though. To, 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 to your point, I didn't totally figure it out because I, I, I was being people in my neighborhood in the first show and then the second show I was moving close I, I it was my family fictionalized yeah and then by the third show I was really me yeah you know what I mean yeah. that by the third show I, I've, I had the confidence to to tell my story because I felt my story was interesting not because it was my story but because my story represented so many people like me that their story wasn't being told that if they got to see themselves I felt like you would, they would feel validated. You know, it would, it became more, less about me. It wasn't about me. It was about all these people, all these souls that, that, that I've met through my whole life that were just not represented. It was just, you know, and, and you could feel the energy in the theater when the Latin people came in, in droves because the energy was electric, like, the the stomping and 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 the hmm and the call and response and the crying and the laughing it was it was it's it's been a powerful experience even with Latin history of morons I mean the the amount of emotion that that seeing themselves reflected back means to them is so huge I'm excited I was excited because you know that was in town and I didn't get to see it when it was in L A but I just found out it's on Netflix and I'm really excited oh yeah to yeah see yeah. That. You, 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 you're going to be impressed. It's, it's a pretty powerful piece. It took me a long time to develop it to get the right ratio of history versus personal story because I wanted a lot more history, but the audience only has a certain amount of, uh, you know, uh, RAM space. <laughs> I'm just laughing because that's totally something I would say. Like, oh, yeah, they just have enough RAM, and I know exactly what that means. Yeah, you know exactly. We, we all know. I mean, they have, they have the limits. And I was at, like, at, a, at a certain point, the little pinwheel just starts spinning <laughs> in front of people's face. They're like, you're out of memory. Ah, shit. Right, all right. right. I better, better throw Diminishing some Diminishing returns, it, it starts to happen, and you start, you start to feel the audience, oh, they're not as with me as they were before. But even understanding that relationship to the audience, and it is a relationship. When you're, when you're a stage performer, you do form a relationship with the audience. But I always wonder because... Your, your style is such a hybrid, and this is some like comedy nerd shit, but I just want to know. It's such a hybrid of, of stand-up and sketch characters. I've always loved stand-up because I feel like I can immediately pivot if I need to, you know? It can right, be very right, right, improvisational. Right. But when you're doing, you know, characters, do you find like I'm free to improvise within these characters? Or do you feel like, well, once I'm kind of locked in, I'm kind of locked in like a sketch. Like how free do you feel on stage? Like once... Do you ever feel like you're settling? 
For your foundation, that is. Maybelline's new Instant Age Rewind Eraser Foundation doesn't settle into fine lines and wrinkles. With SPF 20 and moisturizing pro-vitamin B5, this foundation not only provides medium coverage and a natural finish, but also protects and nourishes your skin. And the best part? The blurring sponge tip applicator makes application a breeze. Say goodbye to cakey, uneven foundation and hello to a flawless, radiant complexion. Try our new foundation today and see the difference for yourself at amazon.com slash instant eraser foundation. Rakuten's Big Give Week is back with 15% cash back. It's a festival of savings at hundreds of stores, including Doc Martens, Ninja Kitchen, and Hotels.com. Prep for summer and save big on beauty, travel, electronics, and more. It's one of Rakuten's biggest cashback events, and it's on May 6th through May 13th. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cashback boost. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app today. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. What's like, you know, there, there's a lot of improv, like, in the beginning. Yeah. Like, on stage, and especially when I'm reading it, because I, I, I read it for a long time to keep my freedom. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I could keep exploring, so I could keep ad-libbing, you know, and if I get the inspiration of the audience yells something, you know, I, I keep that as alive as long as I can, you know, right. because once I'm off book, then it gets a little trickier because I am telling a story from beginning to, to end and I can get lost. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can lose my place and never come back. <laughs> so, so it gets trickier to improvise when it's like a two hour show that I'm carrying, yeah. you know, I can still, I, 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 the, as the run gets longer, I can improvise a little bit more because I, I'll know it so meticulously. Yeah. But there's a point there where I do have a tiny bit of fear that I'm going to just lose my place and, and never come back. Yeah. And, and again, it's, it's harder to, you can improvise a little bit, but if you're in a character, it's like, you still have to get back you know, right, so right. Get back to where you're supposed to land. It's like, how the fuck do I get back here? You know? And then sometimes when I ad lib, it, it doesn't go off as, as powerful as, as, as the written line. Right. Like it'll come out a little more uh, subtle and then yeah. the audience won't laugh. And I'll go, Oh, that was a funny joke. Why did it? Because it didn't have the same delivery. It didn't have the same sort of purposeful uh, written line that the way the written line had like a, like a, like an arrow, it just went, and it that's, so funny. that's so funny to hear you say that because you, you know that um, you have that deep understanding that you kind of have to, you have to be comfortable with the joke first. Right. You, right. And, and if you're not, it's like, even on a subtle subconscious <laughs> level, the audience can they tell. They feel like, the fear. They feel yeah, the fear. Yeah, he wasn't yeah, really yeah. in on that one. I, yeah, I, no, he's, no. he's our leader right now. So I can't yeah. really be in on it if he doesn't buy it. Especially because when I'm doing the show, I'm like 300% committed to everything. Yeah. And then if it comes out just 100% or 90, they yeah. feel it. They feel it's just a little less and they're not impressed. Are you, are you pretty comfortable like once you complete the run of a show of like putting it to bed or do you still like, do you replay stuff from old specials and going, oh, I could add that. I could have added that. Like, are you pretty good at just like letting it go? No, no, it stays with me for, for months and months. Uh, I'll be like, God, now that's what that moment was. Oh, man, if I would have added that, that would have made, you know, even even the, the Netflix special. Um, when I went on tour after across the country, 24 cities, and I got more courage. Since after I left Broadway, I was like, wait a minute. 
I, I'm going to add more history. I, I'm going to push the limits. And I started pushing the limits. And I'm telling you, the audience was even more riveted. And, and uh, Netflix is doing something they've never done before. They're letting me reshoot. And I, and I re- did already. I recorded the, uh, the new uh, ad-libs and everything and the new history. And they're letting me recut it into the Latin history of Warrens. I haven't done it yet, but I'm hoping to do it by the end of the year. Oh, that's fantastic. That's really fantastic. I mean, it's, you know, comedy is great when it's funny and it's even, it's, but what elevates comedy is when it's really about something, you know, when it's really oh, about. Oh, you hope, yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's, that's what you, ex- that's what you excel at. And I, and I really do hope that you understand that anyway, my perception of who you are in this business of like, holy shit, John Leguizamo is fucking amazing. Like it, it's just the breadth of things that you have done. And it's even funny, I watch an old video, this must've been like seven years old, where you made a video, I think, for like a a 20 year screening of Super Mario Brothers. And you were like, (laughs) well, I guess it's it's cool that people are still talking about this movie. (laughs) It's just like, those moments are like, you never, never, never know like what what people are gonna talk about. I know, I mean, Super Mario Brothers, you know, it was, it was the first video game movie. You know, I'm working with Bob Hoskins and Dennis Hopper. I mean, Easy Rider, you know. Yeah, of big, course. Big legends. Huge. In this dumb movie. <laughs> and and then yet people, kids who were eight years old when it came out became part of their childhood. Yeah. So who am I to denigrate their childhood? You know, I mean, uh, so I started to, to turn around and go, you know what? I need, I need to respect this movie, even though it's not going to be in the Criterion Collection. <laughs> it means something to somebody. But yeah, so, some, <laughs> it's not like you can say to an eight-year-old kid, why aren't you watching Carlito's Way? What the fuck? You know? Yeah, yeah, come on, man. Brian De Palma's Watch, a good, what, come on, man. Joan of Arc by Carl Dreyer or, or Apu <laughs> by Sajat Ray. Come on, elevate yourself, son. But, the, <laughs> but that's, that's the sort of part of the, you know, the sort of beautiful tapestry that creates a real, um, a real landscape you know, of your career that you've been able to do all these different types of things. I mean, do you, do you see it that way? It, to me, it still feels like, God, I, I just, I haven't been able to do enough. I still need to do a million more things. <laughs> like, do you, do you have any sense of satisfaction over the things that you've done? Oh yeah, no, definitely. I, okay, I, good. I'm very proud of myself for having taken such courageous uh, choices, making such courageous choices like Spawn, Tu Wong Fu, just done things that I felt, would challenge me right and and i and i and and i did that instead of going the easy route the comfortable route and uh yeah but but i still got hunger man all of a sudden now that i've been doing all this research for latin history for morons i found so many incredible stories historical stories of, of things that latin people have done you know uh it's kind of difficult to speak about but you know latin people it between 1830 and 1930, 6,000 Latin people were lynched, burned alive, and shot in the Southwest, in Arizona, Nevada, Texas, uh, New Mexico, Nevada, you know, as they were trying to take away our lands and ranches and homes. And then in 1930, with the Repatriation Act, they deported 500,000 Latin people, they were American citizens, to take away their rights, to take their voting, to take away their homes. So there's these, all these stories that I want to bring to, to, to the screen, to, to the books, to, to newspapers. These are the stories that are of the making of America because 
we're the only ethnic group that's fought in every single war America has ever fought. We were the most decorated minority in every single war. Galvez in American Revolutionary War had an army of 3,000 Puerto Ricans, Cubans, Mexican-Americans, freed slaves, and, and, and they kicked the British out of the South so they couldn't trap the New England Patriots. And I'm not talking about the team. I'm talking right, about right. the Minutemen in right. New England and saved, you know, uh, let America be America. And these are the stories that, I, that I'm dying, burning to tell. I mean, I can see it in your eyes, too, because it's so, it's, it's so wonderful to see that after this career that you've had, which, by the way, if you were like, ah, I don't know, I've done everything. I think I'm just going to kick back and not do anything. But I don't think anyone would be like, John, you didn't do enough. But the idea that you now, at this point, you know, in your career have been so invigorated with a purpose, like a really important cultural purpose. Like the, 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 the fuel of that artistic fire, um, it must, I mean, to me, I wonder, do you feel like it's just, you're trying to kind of hold it in because it's trying to <laughs> just teaming out and all yeah, the Yeah, it's incredible. Million things. Yeah, you know, I, I was worried that I would get to this point in my life and I'd be jaded or, or, or sated. And, and, and to find this new purpose is so invigorating, man. I mean, I definitely walk every day with a little extra pep in my step and, and with more purpose because I know there's so much stuff that needs to get out there and, and, and I can do it and I can help be the avatar and then be the avatar for other people to, to get to that place. And I feel like with Latin History for Morons, I definitely feel, I see the conversations changing. I feel the movement in the Latin community. I feel like they're using terms that were in the play, you know, and, and that's really exciting to me. You know, when, when, I, when I'm talking about cultural apartheid, I'm starting to hear that. I'm starting to hear all the things, all the numbers, all the data that I, that I collected. I'm seeing it in, in all kinds of articles across the, the country. So if I can keep doing this everywhere, I mean, I, I think it'll be a huge movement. And it's, and it's beautiful for kids who grew up like me, not seeing themselves, to see themselves. I mean, it'll, it, it'll, change, it'll change so many lives and give them so, it creates so many opportunities. And do you have like a, like a, and forgive me for not knowing this, but do you have like a production house that where you're, you're identifying young Latin performers and, and, and trying to expand and basically produce uh, other people's stories as well? Well, you know, a lot of stories come to me. So, you know, I, that's, that's how it comes to me. You know, like people send scripts to my, to my agent and, and stories and, and, and they're coming to me, you know, and I'm helping them, you know, generate them, fix them, improve them. And, and uh, and I really feel like studios and publishers and networks and steamers are starting to understand that there is a disparity and that they need to do something. Yeah. And I think this is a real uh, reckoning for America. And I, and I, and I'm and I'm glad that a lot of people are rising to the occasion and going, look, I, I got to look at my my team here. I got to look at all my CEOs. Oh, wait a minute. There's no Latin person, no black person, no person of color. We need to change that. You know, yeah. who, who's, who's in my staff? Oh, wait a minute. No, no Latin uh, children's books, Latin children's books, uh, Latin children are the la- less, least seen in children's books. And we're 30% of the public schools in, in the nation. Jesus. You know, what does that do to a child's self-esteem? Never to see their face right. reflected back in a, in, a, in a book, talking about their culture, talking about them. So I'm hoping to change that as well. You know, we, we can be a change. And, and, and I really believe that in, it's it's incredible, but it does happen in America. It's still in America. Yeah, things can be better, and you can't fix them. 
And I mean, you must feel like there's just not enough time. <laughs> I have so much to do. There's, you know, like time. But in this, well, yeah, this, time is, is is our enemy, isn't it? <laughs> there's nothing you can do about that. And just because we've been in quarantine for so well, I mean, I call it. It's like a now. It's like a soft quarantine. Obviously, we're not. You know, like people can go out of where they live, but. Have you have you had a, a lot of extra time? Are you writing during this time? Or I imagine you've actually probably been pretty busy lately to get this movie out. Uh, but have you had time to do anything else? Write other stories, write books, look at other shows? Oh, yeah, because, you know, I, I usually am so busy. And and I was supposed to be doing The the, the Power, this new, this new Amazon series that's pretty amazing, uh, which is uh, uh, it was a, a big book that was written two years ago about uh, it's a sci-fi piece where teenage w- girls, when they reach puberty, they get this electric power and they begin running the world and they, and they make men submissive. And <laughs> it's an incredible, it's amazing. Uh, oh, but amazing. it got postponed for COVID. So I was oh, supposed yeah, to go course. back to shooting in November, but it's not a definite date, but I've had time. And, and I got to say, being in quarantine is like writer's boot camp. I've been writing my ass off. I love hearing so, that. I've been writing like crazy, like, you know, books, children's stories, uh, comic books, musicals. I've been writing like, like a maniac. And so what do you, you know, if, if you were to give a masterclass and people were to say, you know, God, I, I, I don't know who I am. I don't know what I want to say. I, I know, I feel like I have a fire that is, that wants to come out, but I just don't know what it is. Like, is, is the, is the goal just like, look, just sit down and write every day, whatever it is. Don't even think about it. Just start getting everything out. Is that reasonable advice or do you have other advice for people? Well, well, there's different ways to approach writing. Definitely sitting down and writing what makes, what turns you on. I mean, that's really it. I mean, whether it's a joke, whether it's information, whether it's storytelling, whatever it is that turns you on, write that. That's the only spark that exists. And, and then, you know, there's two ways of storytelling too. I mean, there are people who have incredible lives and incredible imaginations. So that guides their writing. And then there are other people who don't have incredible lives, but they have incredible technique. That also is dope. You know what I mean? How you tell a story is as good as the story told as well. So there there are different paths to to writing and, and you got to write every day. And, And I'd say, you know, write every day whenever however you know i'm writing all day long you know whenever something it it turns me on boom i go put in my phone put it on a piece of paper and eventually you turn into something do you look at look at the end of the year look at what you've written and i bet you you'll be able to turn into a story oh yeah you because you probably forget most of it you know it's like oh yeah no matter how good of an idea you think you have you go i don't need to write that down i'll remember it in 10 minutes later what the fuck was i just thinking about you know gone yeah no amnesia just that that post i had a great idea amnesia is is the most painful thing ever i should have wrote that i knew it you know like when you were like with your friends and you come up with a great line and then you're like shit i got and then so i run i run to the bathroom and write it down yeah that's smart that's really smart because they never it doesn't matter how much you try to retrace your mental steps i was thinking about coffee and then that guy did it god damn it i fuck it it's just like it's, it's just like gone. a weird, fucked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joke. And, then, and then when it comes back, like maybe a month later, it's never as it's not the no. right line anymore. The moment, but then gone. when you, a year later, when you look at all your writing, you got some great shit. You got some great wisdom. You got some great uh, characters. Some great 
uh, uh, plot lines and you just weave it all together and boom, you got this new conflated story. Not only that though, but I think it's also like a nice roadmap of who you are, being able to see yourself from a little bit of a, a distant perspective. I mean, you, you must have, after every show that you put up, you must have looked, have you, did, well, I'm, I shouldn't say this. Did you look back and go, oh my God, I thought this was about this, but look at all these other things that I've discovered about myself. You know, sometimes I think we express things that we don't even realize we're expressing. Did you retrospectively, retroactively look back and go, holy shit, I, there's this whole thread. I didn't even realize I was trying to get out there, but there it is. Um, it, 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 not, not so much because, you know, the, 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 the pieces are so self-aware in a, in a lot of ways. Got I didn't have a self, a self-awareness to write it about myself. Right. So, but, but I got to tell you though, you, you do start a play or, or a lot of things thinking it's going to be one thing and then you got to get out of the way and let it write itself. And it tells you what it wants to be. And that's, yeah. that's a fascinating place where you have to like, let go. And, and the piece writes itself. And sometimes it writes things that you don't want to write, but you have to go with it because that's where it wants to go. Yeah. Do you think discomfort is important for art? Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You can't, if you want to be comfortable, you can't do art, do, do, do something else or, or, or go make commercial garbage. But, but if you want to do <laughs> art, it's always going to be dangerous to you and to everyone around you. Yeah. And in that, in that sense, is it sort of, helping you process it? Does it feel therapeutic to you at the same time? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, absolutely. I mean, my, my, my whole artist, artistic life is about therapy and, and, and taking hold of the traumas that, that made me, you know, that, that came to me in my life. You know, I had, I had a pretty tough childhood at home and, and, and in the streets, there, there was always a, a lot of violence in, uh, in my world. And, uh, so that the, the comedy was my my only escape and my only hope, and and it's always fueled me and saved me. But even do do you do you look at the way things are now? It's like oh my god, everyone basically has a television studio in their pocket, you know. And when you started out, and even when I started out, it was like if you wanted to do something, you either had to figure out how to put it up on Broadway or wait until someone picked you, you know, basically. And now it feels like oh yeah, if you have a thought or an idea or anything, you could yeah. just. Oh, now it's just out there, just out there in the world. Do you, when you look back, do you think that forging the way that you did, do, do you look back and go, you know what? I was in the setup I was in before and that helped me become the artist that I became. Or do you go, God, it'd be so great to just start now where it's like I could just put yeah. stuff up immediately. Yeah, it's so interesting because it, it, it's, it's a twofold, it's a, it's a, a double-edged sword because, because of the lack of opportunity for me, it, it, it refined my abilities. I had to refine my abilities to a place that that could not be rejected yeah if i if i but then but then if i would have had the access i would have to, to social media i would have been blowed up so big <laughs> you know i would have had so much uh, i've been so prolific instead of like you know trying to make everything a masterpiece so that it so it couldn't be rejected by anybody oh my god that's really interesting that's that's an interesting way to phrase that so that like so in your mind you you think this has to be do you ever do you, do you feel like you're a perfectionist? Oh yeah. And has that but in ever, a good way, but in a good way. I in mean, a good sometimes way. It, sometimes it does work against me. I, I there was there was there was times when when it was detrimental to me, but I, I think I've softened up myself a little bit more. But back then there were times where if it wasn't perfect, I was I would lose my mind and 
and it, and it, you know it's self-destructive that way yeah that, that 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 part is not good yeah but i think the older you get and the more stuff you do you're like ah you know not every moment is a live or die moment you know what i mean it's like you gotta <laughs> thank you god really for that so much energy to pick your battles for i think so that's one of the great things about getting old you do learn to like you know I didn't win that battle, but I'll win the war. Right. The next battle. The next battle. Yeah. Yeah. That's where a little wisdom comes in. Yeah, yeah. But you still got to make your stuff excellent. I mean, it's still about excellence. I mean, there's still uh, you're still trying to achieve things that that are that are that are written incredibly beautiful that have meaning meaning and impact or and still you know I still love to write funny stuff as well. Yeah. How do you? Uh, how, oh, by the way. I'm jealous of the, you have a joke and freak that I'm so fucking jealous of in a healthy way, not in a, not in a toxic way, <laughs> but it's the joke about, you know, uh, the first time you're, I think it's in freak. The first time you're masturbating, you're like, Oh, it was like a gun. I was just cleaning it and it went off. Like, God damn it. Oh, it's a fucking great joke. God, that's such a great joke. Yeah. It was so, you know, I started that whole jizz comedy. Freak was the first jizz comedy before something about Mary, before American Pie. That I was, I was the guy who started that nonsense. You need to be careful. Like, with my imaginary brag, jizz. You know, if you brag about that too much someday, you don't want on your epitaph to be John Leguizamo. He started that jizz comedy. Like, <laughs> he did a lot of other great stuff. At the end, of, that's the end of his jizz. <laughs> Do you have? Um, first of all, this has been so wonderful talking to you i really can't oh, tell you how much talking I, too, man. I love the depth of your thinking i mean because you can't usually you can't usually really talk to people uh, about certain depths and certain specificity without their, them having previous knowledge i mean you got to have that knowledge yeah but i just i so admire you and your journey and all the things you've done and and i and like i said i do think it's a prototype for the sort of uh the the, the modern day performer of like you know you you you, you do a lot of things because i think conventional wisdom like our parents' generation would always say, like, just do one thing and just, you know, focus on that one thing. Mm. And it's like, but you can't. Like, it's, and especially if you have a lot to say, there's so many different ways to express that. And that, to me, is such an important part of your legacy, besides just a performer, but just like, just all of it. And now you're adding this kind of dimension to it of, of cultural purpose as well. And so it just feels like, you know, like that's a model, <laughs> that's a model career. And uh, even though I know fun, that it's fun, it's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and it's interesting you're saying that because yeah, the, you're right. There was a time where, where everybody was so compartmentalized, you know, like if you did TV, you weren't allowed to do movies. Uh, I mean, they, yeah, they wouldn't pick you for movies because you were a TV actor. If you did a commercial, remember all those, all those yeah. days back in the day. Yeah. And, 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 and people who did theater, wanted to be in film, but they never picked them and vice and film people never couldn't do theater because nobody respected them. Uh, it's such a different world. I mean, we can do it all. That's it's a, it's a modern world. It's fascinating. This new digital age because you can do it all. And we, and there's no reason why we can't, you know what I mean? We, we can all go into different areas and, and, and dip our toes. It's, it's a pretty great, great time to be alive. And do you have some, do you have some parting words for people who, like I said, either haven't figured out their thing or want to break in and either just don't feel connected or they're, you know, or they're marginalized, like groups who are marginalized? Like, what is, what was sort of the fire that kept you going? Like, what torch could you pass on? If you were mentoring someone, what would you say to them? I would say, 
you know, write whatever turns you on, film whatever turns you on, just do it for yourself. I mean, that's, that's kind of like the way that gave me my power and my energy was that I wrote for myself only. The only audience member I write for is me. If this make me laugh, does it move me? Does it touch me? Does it electrify me? Does it elevate me? I think that's what I give to every artist. I, I'd say write for you. Don't try to write to please other people or some imaginary teacher or imaginary mentor or your parents. Write for you what turns you on. Yeah. Create for you. And, and if nobody sees it, it doesn't matter as long as you executed it. And I yeah. think that, that, that's it. That's fantastic. I, I really appreciate this. I, people should definitely see Critical Thinking. Is it So what is the release schedule of Critical Thinking? Because everything's just so weird at the moment with how things are getting released. So what, is, what are all the release details for Critical Thinking? Oh, it comes out tomorrow, September 4th, Friday, on video on demand or virtual video, whatever they call it. Yeah. Uh, everywhere except Netflix. It's in uh, uh, Apple TV, iTunes, Amazon, Vudu. It's on all the stuff. It's on all. It's on all those things. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a great story, and you you really did a fantastic job. And I and I hope. Oh, thank you, brother. And and now I'm really interested to see like what other story, like where you go from here. You know, with this kind of like brimming with this purpose and the, the, these ideas, and what's next? Do you even know? Do you have a specific idea what's next? If it's not this Amazon series, The Power, like, do you are you already planning the next show after Latin History? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm writing my next show. My next show is definitely about being an old man and all that that comes with that or doesn't. Uh, but we're not old like our parents' generation. We're not old. I'm going to hold on to that. Like right, You can hold on to that, but I'm old. I don't care what you say. <laughs> I mean, we're old. We're, we're young for our old age. Let's put it that way. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll, I'll accept that. I think that's good enough. Yeah. But uh, I appreciate it, man. If there's ever anything, you know, please come back on anytime. Anytime. Yeah, what a pleasure, man. Great talking to you. Much love. Thanks, John. Take care. Peace out. Bye-bye. Bye. The end. ID 10T scanning complete. Enjoy your burrito. Murder on My Mind, a new podcast available exclusively on Wondery Plus, explores the circumstances leading up to the murder of two young men and the mistrials of the man accused of killing them. Up-and-coming rapper YNW Melly gained notoriety in the hip-hop world for his shocking lyrics and criminal exploits. When two of his best friends were gunned down in a drive-by shooting, investigators suspected the young rapper staged the scene. But after not one, but two trials that ended in hung juries and new evidence that may place YNW Melly at the scene of the crime, his trial has been paused indefinitely. With countless twists and turns, Law & Crime covers all angles of the case and begs the question, is this young artist the victim of a witch hunt or a silver-tongued devil who's evil to the core? Listen to Murder on My Mind exclusively and ad-free on Wondery+. Plus. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts.